The Giants have a huge offseason ahead of them, and a lot of the conversation is about the payroll, because what is it going to be and how do they get there? And we hear about the Giants have all this money coming off the books and all that, but we're going to get into the specifics of what the payroll is looking like, especially now that we have arbitration estimates for their arbitration-eligible players. So we're going to get into all of it next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015 and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And coming up on today's show, if you've heard me the last couple days, I was saying we were going to do some player reviews, but actually I was kind of mistaken. I thought that that was a requirement of us, but it's not. And so I'm actually going to do something different. I want to talk about these MLB trade rumors arbitration estimates. And I get irrationally excited when these come out each and every year. I actually did my own estimates and they turned out to be pretty accurate in terms of, you know, I'm predicting what the prediction is going to be. And so ultimately, these numbers are not going to be determined for quite a while, and there's going to be several dates throughout the offseason that get us closer to determining the salaries for the Giants' arbitration-eligible players. But, you know, it, it's a pretty big deal, including a couple of guys who are going to be arbitration-eligible for the first time, including Logan Webb. And so when you're pre-arbitration-eligible, the team simply can pay you the league minimum salary. But once you become eligible for arbitration, you start to make real money. And it matters when you're talking about, we need to know what these numbers are in order to get us to what the payroll is. And the Giants have consistently been at about $162 million each of the last three seasons. 2020, it was prorated and so it, and Posey opted out and that changed it, but it was going to be around $162 million. So they've been pretty firm there. And so using that as a reference point, where are they going to be in relation to that as they go into the offseason? And the numbers that I've come up with, uh, adding together their guaranteed contracts, which come out at $73 million, assuming Carlos Rodon opts out, which he will, and assuming the buyout on Evan Longoria, which is $5 million, versus the you know picking up the option, which is valued at $13 million. So it's just an $8 million difference. But if we add that $5 million plus assuming Rodon doesn't, they don't owe him anything next year, the Giants would sit at $73 million in guaranteed money. And then you have to add in what are the arbitration estimates. And that's why MLB Trade Rumors releasing these numbers, which they put together through an algorithm is a big deal. And what it comes out to for the Giants, 13 arbitration eligible players, $33.3 million. And so it all adds together to $106.3 million. So if you're at $106.3 million as a starting point, 
And again, this is not including pre-arbitration players, and there will be pre-arbitration players on the Giants, but each one of them earns less than a million dollars. You know, it's like $700,000, and so it doesn't really move the needle that much. So this is a pretty good preliminary estimate. Players who are arbitration eligible can be non-tendered, and so you could have uh, money getting shaved off of that. And also, these are just estimates, and ultimately, the final numbers are to be determined, but it's a good place to start. And so, yeah, the Giants would be at about $106 million, and I would assume that at least the payroll next year will be at least $162 million, and hopefully they finally uh, improve upon that and have it go up closer to $200 million and beyond, but that remains to be seen. But being conservative, call it $162 million, that would still leave them with about $56 million to spend on 2023 salaries. That doesn't mean you can't give out a $100 million contract because you only have $56 million to spend. What I'm saying is $56 million per year to spend. So you could sign a uh, a $26 million a year player and a $30 million a year player. And that would get you to $56 million per year. And so who are the Giants arbitration eligible players? Well, the first, the guys who are first year arbitration eligible are, uh, there's a few of them, but the most important ones are Logan Webb, who is projected by MLB Trade Rumors in his first of three arbitration years to bring in $4.8 million. So it'll be a big, payday for Logan Webb, who's absolutely deserved it. This is just how arbitration works. You're underpaid relative to your value. And as you move through year by year and get closer to free agency, the money you receive gets closer and closer to your true market value. But in theory, you don't quite quite get full market value until you reach free agency. But the year before reaching free agency, you get somewhat close is kind of the idea. These uh, the way arbitration works is it's based on precedent. Similar performers, what did they get in their first arbitration year, for example? And so really good pitchers in their first arbitration year get around $5 million is what this is suggesting. And Tyro Estrada also uh, will become arbitration eligible for the first time. Uh, he's going to be a super two player. A little bit confusing, but normally you get three arbitration years as a player uh, but some guys get four, and that's if they have uh, among the top 22% of service time between two and three years of service, because normally you have to pass that third year of service to uh, become arbitration eligible. But Estrada is a little shy of three years of service time, but he's close to three years of service time, and therefore he, he gets rewarded with an extra arbitration eligible year. And he's projected to earn $2.4 million in that first arbitration year. Some other estimates of note, Mike Yastrzemski, he was a Super 2, like I just explained with Estrada. He was a Super 2 player last year, and this would be now his second year of arbitration eligibility with two more to follow. And he's projected to bring in $5.7 million this year or, you know, for his 2023 salary. So, the you know, I want to talk about, is it worth it? You talk about $5.7 million for a guy like Yastrzemski, who didn't have a great season. Is it worth it? Because all of these guys who I'm mentioning as arbitration-eligible players, the Giants, around December 1st, will have the option 
to to non-tender these players, and then they won't owe them anything. And so is Yastrzemski a non-tender candidate, and are there any other non-tender candidates among this list? We'll get into that in just a second, but first, I hate wearing dress shirts. They're so very uncomfortable. They're tight. They're never my size. I've got, like, broad shoulders, and yet, I don't know, the they're either too tight or they're too loose or too long, whatever the case may be. I just have a problem with dress shirts and I always have. Not to mention the hassle of having to take them off for different activities, right? You want to do something else and you know you got to sweat through it or whatever the case may be. Annoying, right? Well, the dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention and Roan has stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable breathable and flexible shirt known to man and here's why roan's comfort four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf it's time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle with roan's wrinkle release technology wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt it's that easy with gold fusion anti-odor technology you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long and on top of that roan is 100 percent machine washable so you can ditch the dry cleaner all together the commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next head to roan.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash locked on and use code locked on. It's time to find your corner office comfort. All right, as promised, we are going to continue discussing these arbitration figures. There's just so much, so many like ripple effects from. When we get these arbitration estimates and then finally when the Giants start making decisions about who to non-tender, if anyone, and start coming to terms with these players. Because the fact is, even though these are estimates and they figure to be fairly close to correct when all is said and done, the players are not actually signed to these salaries until they're signed to these salaries. But it's the team that kind of holds all the power when it comes to arbitration eligible players. Players have some power, but not that much. And so anyway, it's kind of a long and complicated process. We we will get into it in great detail as these deadlines come up. But I just wanted to specifically mention Yastrzemski because I had even mentioned him as a fringe non-tender candidate at certain points throughout this year. And when I tweeted out something about these arbitration numbers, I had some responses also saying they should just non-tender Mike Yastrzemski. But what the point I want to make, so the estimate is for $5.7 million. And what Yastrzemski's value is, is beyond that. So you might think $5.7 million is a lot. And it might be for the offense that you've gotten from Mike Yastrzemski the last couple years, which has not been great. I mean, if you combine 2021 and 2022, he's been about a league average hitter. He doesn't do it in a conventional way kind of a below average batting average at 219 is where Yaz is the last two years combined. But 308 on base is a little bit below average, but not much. Uh, He does walk over 10% of the time the last couple years, which is an above average rate. Uh, And the uh, the power, 
He has a 205 isolated power, which is a significantly better than average figure. He has hit 42 home runs over the last couple of years. Doesn't sound like a ton, but for the Giants, I mean, he's one of their better home run hitting players. Last year, 25, 2022 hit 17, but also a good base runner, also a good defender on a team that hasn't had a lot of good defenders, and it was a big problem last year. And he means a lot in the clubhouse and is kind of a link you know, I think there's a good relationship with the front office, there's a good relationship with the staff, and there's a good relationship with the, you know, his teammates. And so I think he just brings so much to the team that are intangible qualities, but also the tangible qualities of average offense combined with good defense and good base running adds up to roughly a league average player, if not a little bit above league average overall. And what that is worth, according to Fangraphs, this type of production the last couple of years has been worth roughly $18 million a year. I am not in agreement that like if Yastrzemski was a free agent and he's like, I'll accept a one-year deal, I don't think they should pay him anything close to $18 million. Not because I don't want him to get paid, but because I just wouldn't pay that much for what he provides. That being said, we're not talking about $18 million. We're talking about 5.7. And so... I don't think they're going to non-tender him. I also think, again, these are estimates, and ultimately the Giants probably have some leverage here because Yaz knows he hasn't been great. And you can probably, I could, I could see this number ending up being closer to five as opposed to closer to six. So regardless, we're kind of pinching pennies a little bit. He earned $3.7 million this year, and I, w- I would imagine he's going to get five-plus-ish million dollars for 2023, and it's going to be a very reasonable deal for Yaz. And then you've got guys like Tyro Estrada. There's just no doubt worth the 2.4 million estimate here. But how about all these other players? We've. I'm just going to go through the list uh, that per MLB trade rumors. Harleen Garcia, in his final year of arbitration eligibility, projected at 2.4 million dollars. Scott Alexander. There's been confusion. No, he's not a free agent. I know some of the websites kind of say that he is. But those websites are basing it off of how many years of service time he entered the year with. And and it's like if he was in the majors all season, he would have been a free agent. But he was only in the majors with the Giants for a little bit. And it's in the majors or on the major league injured list is when your service time clock keeps ticking. And his was not ticking until he came up with the Giants in September. And so he didn't get to six years of service, not even close. He's at five years and 80 days. And you have to get to 172 days to reach that next for it to turn to the next year. So he's about 100 days shy of reaching free agency. So if he's in the majors all of 2023, he will certainly be a free agent uh, after 2023. But the projection is for 1.1 million, and Scott Alexander, the lefty reliever, certainly showed enough to justify bringing him back at this price. It's a no-brainer at that point. John Brebia, final year of ARB eligibility, projected at 1.9 million. Jacob Junis, final year of arbitration eligibility, projected at 3.3 million. Austin Slater has a couple more years left of arbitration, projected at 2.7 million. J.D. Davis, couple years left, projected at 3.8 million. Jarrell Cotton, we come to our first real non-tender candidate, perhaps, uh, projected at 1.1 million. I'm just not sure. They kind of just picked him up off, off waivers and threw him out there a few times. I'm just not sure that 
he'll be back, but he could be. I mean, that's a very modest price. It's basically league minimum salary type uh, price. Plus it comes with, you know, a few years of team control. And so this is kind of how they've built up their bullpens is with players like this who are, you know, come with some team control. So anyway, it's not a big deal one way or the other. It is just about a million dollars. Zach Littell, we come to another non-tender candidate, owed 900,000, not owed, projected at $900,000, just barely above the minimum. Lamont Wade Jr., possibly another non-tender candidate here, projected at $1.4 million. Tyler Rogers, slam dunk, non, not a non-tender candidate. When all was said and done, Tyler Rogers ended up having a solid year and projected at $1.4 million. So those are all the guys. There are some non-tender candidates mixed in, but you know, and JD Davis at 3.8 million, given his defensive uh that he's not a great defender, and also there's some swing and miss, and you may have some redundancies with him and Flores and David VR and perhaps Evan Longoria perhaps being back as well. There are some non-tender candidates mixed in, but ultimately these numbers, like if you take a few guys out, it's not going to dramatically change what we're looking at here. And what we're looking at here, as I mentioned earlier, is having about $56 million to spend just to get back to 2021, 2022, 2020 levels in terms of the payroll. So if you have $56 million to spend on, and again, I really expect slash hope that there's 162 million is not some kind of limit. And I think that they seem to be taking that to heart. Like you've, if it, it, it takes, it's going to take what it's going to take to make this a highly competitive team. And they're out, you know, we've got Greg Johnson, Farhan Zaidi and others They're The rhetoric this time around is just very different than what we heard last year. They have made it clear that they're, Here's the thing about payroll. This is going to get lost. This is not like the main point of the show, but we often are hearing fans talk about how the franchise is valued at whatever it is, 3 billion, 4 billion, I don't even know. And that because of that, they should increase the payroll. But at the same time, they don't teams typically set their payrolls based on revenues, not based on the value of the franchise. And so, revenues have been down because of COVID. And so there's some hope for me that as revenues pick back up with attendance eventually going up, you know, especially if you can figure in, you're going to draw more play, uh, fans if you sign some better players. And I don't know, just I think that as the recovery starts to happen, the payroll could increase because think about it. There were no fans at all in the stands in 2020. And I think that that hurt every team, but also the Giants quite a bit. And so I do believe they should increase the payroll. But even if they didn't, even the pessimistic view, I think even the most pessimistic fans still think, okay, they're at least going to get to $160 million like they've been the last few years when people have been upset at how low it is. So you still have almost $60 million to spend just to get back to this pessimistic level. $60 million per year, not total. So coming up in just a minute, who are some of the players who are out there and what is their average annual value going to be? So what kind of players could the Giants acquire and still fit into a perhaps restrictive budget, which hopefully isn't that restrictive 
when all is said and done. We'll get into that momentarily, but first, if you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor, delicious, indulgent cookie dough, my personal favorite, covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite, Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs are a light and and chewy texture, real chocolate cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in a in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of cookie dough, which is literally my favorite dessert, without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff, I promise. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late a late night treat, or just need a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKEDON15. All right, as promised, who are the players who are out there in free agency? Like, we all know who they are, but what are their average annual value predictions? Like, what is a reasonable guess? Because I feel like this gets missed. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people aren't missing on this, sleeping on this. Or, you know, when we talk about the Giants and their offseason and we talk about the star talent that's out there, there's often this pessimistic grumbling like the Giants won't do that because the Giants don't spend money. And I understand where that's coming from. But why, like, if you're talking about a guy who's 20, for example, Carlos Rodon, right? He's the average annual value for the little contract he signed with the Giants, the short two year with an option or an opt out deal was an average of $22.5 million per season. Actually, it was $22 million per season. But Say you take $22 million per season and give somebody an eight-year deal, it's an eight-year, $176 million deal. And so I think the the big headline there is $176 million, but in reality, it's $22 million a year. And the Giants, you know, they're willing to spend it on Rodon. They're willing to spend it. They gave Brandon Belt $18.4 million this year, uh, last year in 2022. And so... It's really more about the average annual value. And when you start talking about the best players in the game and these long-term deals, you know, Aaron Judge may end up getting the the shorter the term, the lower the average annual value typically. So like Rodon, he couldn't have received $22 million a year over 5 years last winter or he probably would have taken it. This winter, that's what he's likely to get. It's likely to be a similar average annual value to what the Giants paid him this year, but just more years. And so that's what the Giants have been hesitant to do is give out the years. But I think that that typically applies more to starting pitchers or just pitchers in general, because the performance decline is a real thing. And also the health risk is is real with pitchers. And When we talk about, okay, position players, who's out there and what are they going to cost? Aaron Judge may cost in the neighborhood of $35 million a year. Uh, Carlos Correa may cost about $30 million a year. Trey Turner may cost about $30 million a year. Xander Bogarts, I'm just kind of estimating these $25, $28 million a year. And so when I'm saying that you've got $56 $56 million to spend per year just to get to 20, 
22 levels, there's no reason. Like if you take my estimate for, say, Trey Turner at $30 million a year and you add in, I mean, it depends. Do you want to add a pitcher at this point? Do you want to add another star position player? Let's say Trey Turner and Brandon Nimmo, who I estimate at $20 million a year. That's $50 million spent on 2023 salary. So you could easily sign a Trey Turner, say it's $30 million a year over eight years. So I don't care. I'm not, At this point in time, I'm not talking about how realistic is Trey Turner wanting to play here, but it's about financially. You could give him an eight-year deal, $30 million per year. It's eight years, $240 million. I wouldn't be shocked if that ends up being close. I don't know. Uh, as the offseason continues, all these different sources are going to put out predictions for what these players' new contracts are going to be, and we will be talking about that a lot as the offseason goes on to help us plug them in and say, okay, this is what is expected, and what if you plug that in for the Giants? What is their payroll come out to? So can it work? And so, yes, I mean, say you sign Turner for $30 million a year, and you sign Brandon Nimmo for $20 million a year over maybe four years at $80 million total. That's $50 million on the 2023 payroll, and you're still under your $162 million payroll from the last few years. Again, it doesn't include pre-arbitration players, but those guys make less than a million dollars each, and so it doesn't really significantly move the needle much when you're talking about a handful, maybe five to eight guys who are pre-arbitration guys, just as, a, as an estimate. So it moves the needle a little bit, but not a ton. So in this scenario, you've picked up Trey Turner, you've picked up Brandon Nemo, you've lost Carlos Rodon. And so if you want to replace that production, if you want to sign Rodon, he's probably going to be around the same as he was this year, but over a long term, call it $22 million per year. Then suddenly you're spending $72 million on 2023 payroll, and you've made that long-term commitment to Rodon that maybe makes you uncomfortable. But still, your payroll is not that different than what it was this year even if you've added Trey Turner, Brandon Nimmo, and Carlos Rodon. And so that is why I'm trying to say, I think there's no reason they can't be in play for at least one of these real impact talent players. It's just a matter of, do they believe in the long-term performance of the player? Because a lot of times you're signing an Aaron Judge to be into his mid to late 30s. And you really seriously have to think about what is that performance going to look like at that point in time from him? And then they kind of make their offer based on the projections they have for the performance down the road. In the present, like in 2023, 2024, when maybe you're still getting great production, but what about years four, five, six, seven, eight, when he's literally going to be 38 in year eight of a contract? And so you've got to think about that. They've, they think about that. And so there's no reason they couldn't go after these players, even with that modest payroll. And some of the guys, they may have less interest in than you think because of the age and the aging curve and what they're believing the player is going to be like down the road. But I don't know. I just see no reason they can't have a big offseason. And these numbers kind of demonstrate that not every team has is in that kind of flexible, flexible of a starting position. A lot of teams have way more money already committed to next year's out, uh, team payroll but the Giants don't have that much. They're one of the bottom 10 or so teams in terms of their commitments, guaranteed commitments for 2023. 
So that's a good position to be in. That's what we call financial flexibility. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen today. Now make your second listen the Locked on MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast Locked on MLB on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please hit that subscribe button, bell notification, five stars, whatever you can do. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone who's done so already. Coming up tomorrow, I think we're going to be getting back into the mailbag questions that we got into on Monday. We have a lot more great questions I want to get to. So uh, look out tomorrow for more questions and answers. Anyway, thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.